Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Healing Insight. Healing Insight is an acupuncture and holistic medicine clinic on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners can help patients with everything from anxiety to fatigue, digestive issues to women's health, and so much more. And we are living through such an uncertain time. Many of us are dealing with a level of stress and anxiety that we've just never seen before. And the team at Healing Insight is here to help. You know, stress takes its toll on our adrenals. And Senia can do a free phone consultation to see if virtual adrenal testing is right for you. Senia and her team are doing Facebook Live videos twice a week and personalized virtual appointments. So whether you're comfortable coming in in person or want to connect virtually, Healing Insight wants you to know they're here to take care of you. I've personally been seeing Senia for several years. I'm now part of her membership program, which means I have a standing monthly appointment. Senia was also our featured guest on one of our most listened to episodes of Best to the Nest. It's episode 25, simply titled Anxiety, and in episode 113, where we talk about coping with the COVID-19 global pandemic. Visit HealingInsight.com. That's HealingInsight.com to find out more about Senya and her team. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Today we're getting a little literal there, Marjorie Punnett, because we are talking about building your nest. Actually, maybe not physically building the entire house, but building things that can actually go in your house. I love this topic so much because this, I have renovated so many houses, and when I say renovated houses. I have watched other people do the work (laughs) while I have picked things. And I paint. That's about all I've ever done on my houses. But I just would love, love, love to be able to build something from scratch. I think that would be so fulfilling. It is gratifying. You know, it's funny because we were talking about these raised beds that my husband Jay built for the backyard. And what was funny about it is it's a lot of work. And by the end of hauling like 85 wheelbarrow loads of soil to the to the raised beds, he was swearing a bit and he was <laughs> over it and he was pretty much done. And but I at one point when he was building the beds and he was in the garage, you know, and he's got a cold beer and he's got this saw going and he has a nice he's organized himself a nice setup to be able with all the tools that he needs and everything ready to go. And I said to him, you know, I really appreciate you doing this because I'm sure there are like a million other things that you'd rather be doing right now. And he said, no, you know what? This is exactly what I'd like to be doing. I really like doing this. I'm just focused on this task and getting it done. And that's when I realized there's something meditative and therapeutic about actually using your hands and using tools to build something. And the only experience I've had with this is in industrial tech class in middle school and high school and going to the business of our guest today where you actually go to this darling place 
and build something, Marjorie. Have you built anything ever? Me? Yeah. No. Did you build a birdhouse in school? No. No, I've never built anything. And I have to say, as you're talking about Jay, and I don't want to get creepy here, but as you're talking about Jay in the garage with tools, that's got to be sexy, right? Super sexy. Totally sexy. Yeah. 100% sexy. Yes. So I think that there's something about that for for building something from scratch, from watching somebody build something from scratch. But for me, I I know my husband could do it because he used to have to do it a lot growing up. Like they would, they would do all of their own work on their house. And so his rebellion, I think against his upbringing was he doesn't do any of that. He does and, and probably wouldn't, which is fine because it really is something that I've always wanted to learn how to do. And you know, when this was really where I sort of got re-inspired, Elizabeth was talking to Amy Thielen when she was talking about her husband, she's the author of, what is it, Give the Girl a Knife? Give a Girl a Knife. Give yep. a Girl and, a Knife. And the, the New Midwestern Table is her cookbook. Yeah. She was talking about her husband building his own house out in the woods with yes. his own hands. And I thought, that is now on my bucket list. But I don't mean to delay our guest. You know what? You can start building something small other than a house. And Jill okay. Miller is our guest today. So Jill and her husband own this sweet, wonderful little workshop. It's called Projects in Person. It is in Hopkins, Minnesota, so just outside of the cities. And it is so fun. I've done, I did a girls night there and we had such a great time and we've had Jill on Twin Cities Live several times showing us how to make different projects. And usually Steve, my co-host ends up bleeding or something at the end of it, but you know, (laughs) such is life. So Jill is joining us today because I wanted to talk about this idea of building something and dig into it a little deeper in terms of what it can mean for your house to actually have things in it that you've built and then what it can mean for you when you accomplish the task of building something. So Jill is the cutest girl wielding a like a saw and a whatever electric screwdriver. What do you call those things? (laughs) A drill. (laughs) Jill is the best. A drill. I love it. You can tell I'm a novice. Jill, we're so happy to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me. This is so fun. (laughs) That may be my favorite moment. What do you call it? What do you call that electric screwdriver thing? (laughs) We need more lessons. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We totally do. Okay, so let's start by setting up a little bit, Jill, for people who aren't familiar with what PIP is and really what you want people to feel like and accomplish. And obviously, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, so you're not hosting workshops like you normally do, and you've had to seriously pivot your business. But in a non-pandemic situation, what is what is this space? Yeah. Projects in person is a guided DIY workshop and it's all wood based. So we guide people to build anything from hardwood cutting boards all the way up to dining room tables oh, in this one session because people have lives and they need to move on. And we just, we give them only what I call the sexy part of DIY. There you like go. We, we cut, we cut some of the wood, but like for our headboard workshop, it's a pile of lumber and they cut, they pocket hole, they a uh, electric screwdriver it together uh, <laughs> and, and people people are busy they are moving it's it's around two-ish hours and people are usually with their friends and family connecting phones are down and then they have this gorgeous thing that they get to go home and 
go, oh, remember that really fun time we had? And we, we built it. And so it's... I am loving this because I would rather go home with a dining room table than a painted, <laughs> like, than a painted plate. You know yes. what I mean? I'm, I'm sort yeah. of over that. Yeah. I really... So a dining room table... You're in a workshop that you guys do. How much time does it take? The dining room table is, it's a four hour session, but yeah, we've, we've got it down to four hours, but the rest oh, are fun. typically under two. It's <laughs> so cool because you definitely get like that confidence feeling. And there's this sort of everyone, when you show up is sort of unsettled. Like, I don't yeah. know how I'm going to do with this. It's like the first day of school where you're going in and you're going, I don't know if I'm going to like make an idiot of myself or ask stupid questions or how it's going to go. But then by the end, there is this confidence boost that you, you almost, when Jill gives you the task of, okay, here's the next step, you just get into the groove and you're just doing it. Like Marjorie, when I was there with my girlfriends, I made one of those really cute large rulers that you hang on the wall that then you can measure your kid's height. And it's oh, so fun. It's in the basement. So we can mark down the date and what their height is and watch them grow. And that's a super simple project. I think I still made like 10 mistakes during the process and had to... <laughs> figure out how to fix it. But it is, to me, Jill, it feels a lot like cooking where it's kind of a confidence game. I mean, oh, if you don't I, have the yeah. confidence and you don't have the basic skills, it's going to be a frustrating, miserable experience. Totally. And what we find too is like we have right our same little intro we give at the beginning of each workshop. And we always say, we're going to teach you as if you've never touched a tool before. You've, And then we kind of go through what we're going to do. And you can see people relax. And then there's the kind of people like, ah, I have experience. But frankly, everyone just feels at the same level. There's no dumb question. There's this is a screwdriver. This is a tape measure. It's going to snap back at you. And frankly, just the little baby steps and giving people the confidence in each little thing, then they're like, oh, no, I can go use the miter saw. No problem. I know yeah. what to do. Jill, so it's amazing how it builds up. Joe, what is your background that you that you are confident with tools? Did you just grow up building things with, I'll say, your dad, I should say your mom or dad, but with your yeah. dad or did you learn it in school? Where does this come from? You would think so. My family owns actually the hardware store in Hopkins. Oh. And we have like multi-generational hardware store owning oh. family. But I learned zero from my dad. <laughs> Not a lick. So he, he was like, you were saying about your husband, like my dad grew up having to build things and yeah. fix things. And so I played sports. I wasn't going to go in the garage with him to go build something. So I actually learned everything I know from my husband, Jason, who I own the the business with. And I bought a house when I was 22, didn't know anything about fixing anything. And in Pops Jason, who is like one of those old school handyman, doesn't know it, will learn it. Um, oh, but, that's great. But I was a teacher. So I think oh. I like learning things. I like bringing energy to learning things. I love helping other people learn things. Whereas somebody like my husband, you know, who has experience just goes, do this here. You go, right. I don't, I don't know what that means. Yeah, so right. it's kind of like the, the communication, me saying, oh, you do this, this, and this. And it's it's kind of breaking down the communication for the average person to understand what to do is kind of how I translate it to the business. And for myself, just learning how to do it. So, Well, you guys are such good partners and it's just so fun to, to – that's why it just works so well because you can have people who know how to build who don't know how to teach and you can have people who know how to teach but don't know how to build. And so totally. if you have the combination – then you can do it. So what's cool about what you do too, and Marjorie, I think you've looked through Jill's website and so you can see the projects, but it is about building something that is useful and beautiful. I mean, and, and I think the weight is 
equal. Is that the truth when you're designing projects? It's not that one is more important than the other. Totally. It has to be something you will use like a blanket ladder. It's stunning. It's beautiful. And you're really actually going to use it. Yeah. We have three in our house now. <laughs> you know, you just can't get it up. I'm sitting right next to one. I mean, <laughs> I, you're exactly right. I mean, it is so useful. I just, I love this idea so much, but I'm curious as to what is, how many people come to a class and, and what are you doing in the pandemic? Do you guys do, do you guys do this online at all? Yeah. So typically when we're open, we have anywhere between four to six workshops a week. And then it depends on the project size. If it's a dining room table, well, we max out at four tables right now. So there can be four pairs, but otherwise we do cutting boards and that's up to 24 people in a workshop. And so, yeah, right now what we did was we actually launched our build box. So it's a DIY kit that it's typically like you need a hammer or a screwdriver, like the very basic things, or it's just wood glue. And it's paint, stain, put it together and feel accomplished. So we're trying to still send people home with that, that I, I can do it feeling. And rather than just, we're no dummies. We know you can go to Ikea and buy a stool for your child. Or you could get it, you can paint it, you pick your colors, you get to assemble it, say you made it. And it's just a totally different experience that way. Well, and that's the difference that I want to talk about because we are obviously in a culture where you can buy anything and a lot of things you can buy cheap and you can get them quickly in your home. But when you think about items that you've actually built that go in your home and the, I don't know, it gets kind of woo-woo, but sort of the energy behind those items, you know, everything in your home is made up of energy. Everything in the world is made up of energy. So when that's in your home versus something that was mass-produced, that is anybody could have what what's the difference in those two to you jill isn't that the like they totally carry energy mm-hmm. and like have you ever done a project that doesn't come with a story where you're like oh remember then we didn't get the screws and then we had to go back to the store like eight times oh and then oh, <laughs> and it like reminds you of where you were in your life like it's this yeah. weird trigger when you when you have to physically do something your body remembers it and remembers that experience and then right like you said goes right into the project it's just like have you ever you go to somebody's house and they're not like I paid somebody to paint these walls. They're like, I painted this room. It's like the things that people want to show you are the things they did themselves and they have the most pride in. And it goes right into those projects. Well, we've been moving in our house for 35 years. An old bookcase that my husband's brother made in shop class, I'm sure. And then a box, which is painted like the the loudest blue you could ever imagine that has all these little pictures on it. And it's just a box, but it's a box that my husband made in shop class. And those are the things that you just, you know, he was 15 or 16 when he made it. And I'm with you guys. I really do believe that everything in your home does have energy. And I think sometimes... People forget that when they go and they buy a bunch of decor that they Mm -hmm. think looks like what they're seeing on Pinterest as opposed to really curating what are the frames I'm going to use? What are the pictures I'm going to put in those frames? What is that going to look like? How is it going to make me feel? And I think sometimes people forget to do that because, Elizabeth, back to your point, things are so cheap. It's cheap and easy. So you can go buy a couple of prints. You can go buy a really nice mirror. You can go buy all those things. And I, I have bought some of those things, but I, I, I am also careful to mix in the things that are mine 
or my husband's or mm-hmm. my children's. And I think that that's things that really matter to us. And I think what you're talking about, Jill, is sort of next level living of actually having, I mean, I would love to know how to create and make a piece of furniture. I would love that. Like I, I, I started big. I want to build a house, but I think Elizabeth yeah. already knows that's probably too big from the, from the get go. I actually found this little space behind our house in Kansas. There's this like little nook. And I'm like, I wonder, and this is before I knew you were joining us, Jill. I'm like, I wonder if I could build a shed for myself. Yes. Like start a little reading shed. shed. <laughs> but maybe yeah. I ought to start with a box first. A she shed. A she, a she shed. shed. Yeah. You can totally do it. You, I think you really can do it. My husband's next project is a greenhouse built <gasps> out of old <gasps> windows. We've got a basement. I know. Our basement is there's this little tiny room in the back of the basement that has a bunch of the original windows in there. And then we'll be getting some switched out. Some Some people might freak out about switching out original windows. And I'm thinking, yeah, guess what? When you can't open and close them, then you yeah. tell me that you want to keep the original windows. So we'll have a whole conversation about it. But so we have a bunch and I would, I want to repurpose them and have a little greenhouse in the yard where then I can store my gardening things and extend the growing season a little bit and have it made out of those original windows. And that's another cool thing, Jill, when you think about things that have a story I mean, I think you can even take that to the next level when you're talking about then using reclaimed and repurposed items. I mean, then you really are like, wow, you're just taking something that was something else and turning it into something now beautiful and useful. And that story just continues. Mm -hmm. Totally. And what I love, like even with your windows is like when you go to build something yourself, it's your custom size and your custom color. And it's, it's, it's typically the way you want it. You know, yeah. you can't always go on the store and go find that greenhouse that has the character with the old windows or the coffee table that's the right size. You get to really have more say in it, give you more ownership over the the thing. What does building something do for you, Jill? What does it do for you? I I think our world is so virtual. Mm-hmm. Like I can send a thousand emails and tomorrow I'm going to forget that I did that. Mm-hmm. I don't actually send a thousand emails. Right. I don't know. Some days it feels like that to me. I feel like, like I, I get through my email inbox and then I'm like, crap, now I got like 20,000 yes. more. They multiply. They're like rabbits. Yes. <laughs> I get I get no awards for email sent, text messages responded to, phone calls returned, but I build something and I can see it. And it's such a tangible piece of success. So I, I just love that feeling. And that, that's what, when we, when I first bought this house and my husband and I were dating and fixing things, it was like, Oh, we, we did that. It was just like yeah. a little, a little checkbox, a visual checkbox of success, which we don't get enough of. Yeah. That is one of my favorite memories. When I think about the first house that my husband and I built, this is when we actually had to do a lot of the work ourselves and we bought the house for $28,000. That's so amazing. It was a beautiful little sort of craftsman bungalow. So it had been not loved and had been lived in by a smoker. So the whole interior of the house was covered in nicotine. And so we had to scrub the walls and, but it was such, the bones were so beautiful. I mean, beautiful fireplace, beautiful wood built-ins. And so my husband and I are like, I mean, I was like 22 and 
you know, he was like 26. I mean, we were, we were young and we're like, yeah, we can do this because it didn't need <laughs> anything really but cosmetic work. Right. And so we're like, yeah, we're going to refinish the floors. And not, I don't, I think maybe he had done it before, but we really, I don't think knew what we were doing. That's and, a serious job. Oh, yeah. oh my God. And so it was so funny. So we're sanding the floors and he sort of, they ended up turning out beautifully except on the edges where the first pass that he took he lingered a little too long and so it sort of it gave it a little divot (laughs) there's sort of he may have dug out too much of the floor but they were you know floors from the 1930s so they were thick hardwood floors so it could stand it but to your point jill while we were living there, we didn't live in that house long, but that was a happy memory, actually. That part yeah. of the floor, its imperfection made us laugh because it was like, yeah, we were learning. We were just learning how totally. to do it. And and it, it, I love that idea of that is such a strong memory because we were doing it and we were in it together and it was hard and we were learning. And I think sometimes we forget that that's how you make an impression. That's how you sort of connect with your own life. It doesn't seem like we it, we should have to think about that, but I, I think that's so important and I think that's so, such a cool way to look at it. I love that. That's great, Marjorie. I think yeah. it's something that we've gotten away from as a whole though is is doing this kind of stuff. You know, in anything, anything that involves like taking it slow, taking it step by step and actually physically being present is something that we're just so resistant to at this time in the, in the world. That being said, I mean, I think this pandemic is certainly shifting the way that a lot of people look at life and realize now that we're forced to do so much virtually, you're just reminded of the importance of doing things in person and with your hands. And, and so I wonder, Jill, after this is done, I mean, if you feel like, do you feel that energy kind of shifting in people and going, you were almost ahead of the curve in creating this business that people are going to even more so want to get back to it? I get such great feedback because it's, it's, this ticket sales are not happening and we don't expect them to, but yeah. pe- when people come and pick up their build boxes, they're like, oh, I just can't wait to come back in. Like oh. people are in their houses staring and going, I don't have a headboard. I can build one. And they're like, I'll wait. I'm coming. I'm coming in because oh. <laughs> they're, they're so excited and it's something to look forward to. But I think what's cool about pandemic too is that it, it's what, well, should I say cool? It's kind of a, a give or take, but yeah. hardware stores are slammed because yeah. people are taking things into their hands that they wouldn't have before. Mm-hmm. And so there's that like pioneer, right? Like sourdough and, yeah. and making garden beds. And <laughs> so <clears throat> it's pretty fun to see people getting more confidence or choosing to have the confidence because there's a lot of information out there and it's just kind of about taking the first step and, and starting the process. Like maybe not a she shed tomorrow, but you know, you start with a little project and soon you're, you have more confidence to keep going. So it's well, going to, for me, I'll do a box and then the she shed. Maybe a, yes, box. Yeah, a box, maybe something like a that. Box. I do want to know from you, Jill, too, really where to start, because when people will ask me a lot about, I'm certainly not a chef, but I I really love to cook at home. And so they'll kind of go, well, how did you, like, what did you get started doing? And I always tell people to start with soup, that I think soup is so forgiving. And it was really, that was my starting point of where I started to gain confidence because I had this cookbook that I still have called the Moosewood Cookbook. I've talked about it before. It's my favorite cookbook of all time. And she would have these instructions in there that would say, optional. 
So there were certain ingredients that would op- were optional. So I would follow the recipe to a T the first time and then gain confidence and then start feeling like, oh, I could know that I like that or I want more of that or whatever. And so as you then build your confidence, you can move forward. But I think there's a couple things. Number one, you need to have projects that are achievable so that you get that feeling of success. And then I also think you do need some of the basic good quality equipment because you're going to be frustrated. Like I always think if you you have terrible pans and you have, and they're not the right size or whatever, you're just going to be mad when you're cooking and it's annoying. So let's start with projects you think that are really great to start with and build that confidence. And then what's like the basic kind of toolbox that you think you should set up in your house? Totally. Oh, giving a specific project is really hard. Yeah. Maybe just some types. Totally. Well, and, and because it's all what, what you think is important to you. Like honestly, a, a, a coffee table is doable if you glue some boards together yeah. and add legs to it. You can buy pre-made legs. Like you can start small and there are so many YouTube blogs, which can be a little, a little overwhelming. But if you find something you're, I think finding the thing that you're passionate about doing it, like you said, is probably like the, the most important thing for getting the energy to feel success and be proud of it. Even if you didn't nail it the first nail, but I, I personally like for, for tools, we did so many things without the right tools to begin with. And I was frankly afraid of the miter saw when we first started. Jay has a miter saw and he loves it. Oh, and now I love it, but I was so intimidated. I had already had the business, had the lease and it was in construction. I still had not used a miter saw. I was like, (laughs) it's fine. If they have to figure it out, I'll figure it out. But even I brought it on the show before a hand miter saw Mm -hmm. that you just cut straight back and forth. Like, you need no power. You need just some elbow grease. Like I think everyone needs a miter saw, a drill, and I'm a total sucker for that Brad nail gun that just kapa, right? Wow. Just, yes. Oh, wow. It feels so good because I'm frankly kind of bad at hammering a nail in straight. The nail mm-hmm. gun scares me. I got to say oh, that one scares me. That's so when Jay has one of those that he can attach like staples to. He can do whatever. So we he like he was stapling the landscaping fabric on the bottom of the raised beds. And he's just like, this is unbelievable. And he's got it hooked up to an air compressor and just goes along and goes pow, 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 pow. (laughs) And it's just a super gratifying experience. Yeah, because there is something to having a few basic things. And he doesn't have a massive workshop set up, but he just has – he has the miter saw – he has the electric screwdriver, <laughs> the drill, <laughs> and then he has that that nail gun that he can use as a staple gun, whatever. And and I think having those things just at the ready means that you sort of have like your mise en place ready to go to right. cook, right? Mm-hmm. And having the and having the proper space to set that up because I mean I'm just envisioning right. Elizabeth when you were talking about him building that in the garage that if yeah. he didn't have the space to do it how much more frustrating that would be and you know as you talk about those basic tools like I have a really good basic I mean I have a tool bag for all of the little things that I have to do around the house I've got a hammer I've got a drill I've got all of that stuff and I know I mean I I probably have had it since my young 30s. And I I remember feeling really sort of empowered by having everything I needed in that bag. And it matters to me. I want to be able to do, if I'm going to hang curtains, I want to be able to do it easily. Yeah. I think, Jill, what you're talking about is sort of a, a very retro idea in a way. And I think many of us, 
and I'm going to just speak in generalities, have gotten away from that idea of having like a miter saw in the house and having those kind of things that are sort of next level project-based tools. But I imagine in the day when we were closer to many farming families, that would have been a given. I mean, right. every every handyman that I've ever had that I have adored and relied on in every house I've lived in had some – usually grew up on a farm. And it's right. really interesting because I think when you grow up on a farm, you really do have to know how to fix everything and anything. And they know how to use all those basic tools and then some. But I think that's a really good thing to to, to tell families is maybe you should have that next level set of tools where you could build your own – garden beds. I mean, I didn't this time, but I just have my first real little garden. But I, w- I would love to be able to think that I could do that. Mm-hmm. Well, but- and I think whenever you do a first project, the where I started was watching Jason, like you watch how somebody moves and you understand yeah. how to drill straight. Like we oh, show yeah. the workshop, we say, we say drill straight. And then you, you watch people, you go, Oh, just cause I say drill straight doesn't mean they know how. So right. I will take the, the drill and hold it up and I'll go like this, not like this, not like this, not like this, not like this until they go, Oh, it's like that. And then they, you know how to move your body so that your projects are more successful. That sounds funny, but it is. No, such, it doesn't. Uh oh, kinesthetic, right? You know, it's like something a whole, like that. when you yeah. work with something, it, right. your yeah. whole body is involved. Where did Jason learn? So it's funny when you say, a farm. So Jason's dad grew up on a farm in North Dakota and they, they joke, he's, he's a twin youngest of, oh, I think seven. And they'll say that they'll go, yeah, we had running water. Mom would run and get it and bring it back. (laughs) And so they were, they were on the farm. Farm. And so his dad is, was a, a mechanics teacher in school, but it's just one of those, you just know, and you learn and you have all those skills. And Jason grew up with him in the garage, fixing cars. And Jason's an engineer now for medical devices, but it's, it's that way of thinking that yep. if I have those skills, I can apply it to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. That's exactly how Jay's dad is. Jay, I mean, Jay's dad can build anything and fix anything. And they built our deck at our old house together. And that was the thing that helped boost Jay, Jay's confidence to be able to go, oh, I learned how to yeah. do that. And, and it's those skills that you're passing down. And unfortunately, I think it's a lot of like the cooking skills are passed down to yeah. the girls and the building skills are getting passed down to the boys. And so I love seeing that shifting where everybody can have that sense of confidence and gratification and that, that sense of being able to provide for themselves if they just learn the skills, regardless of your gender. And I think seeking out a mentor Mm -hmm. is important. I mean, if you can find somebody who knows how to build things or you go to PIP, that is a huge thing. You watch (laughs) YouTube videos or something where you're actually physically seeing someone do it versus just trying to figure it out or reading a book or reading people will say like, well, just look at the plans. Well, yeah, I don't know. That's like reading Chinese. I mean, I don't know how to read the plans. Like you have to learn that stuff. Well, here's what I love about what you're doing, Jill, is I think, you know, if I went to a YouTube video right now and watched somebody using a miter saw, that wouldn't teach me or give me the confidence to actually use one myself. Totally. But if I came, if I came to one of your workshops and somebody was standing there and saying, no, do this or stand like this. Oh, try this. Mm-hmm. 
that would change everything, honestly. I mean, those are the things. I've interviewed enough uh, carpenters, and I've worked with enough carpenters, and I've known a couple without fingers um, <laughs> that that it's enough to be intimidating. Yeah. And mm. so I am, I am definitely intimidated by that, but I think – actually being in a group or with somebody that could teach me how and that I could actually do it in front of somebody. Right, right. Would be really, would, I just think that's such a great thing. That's such a great well, idea. Well, and all tools are so different. So even if somebody said, I'm using my miter, miter saw, it might not be the same as the next yeah. one. So yeah. you, we show them how to use our exact saw. And like often people will hold the piece of wood and then they'll like reach over to grab the saw, which actually is like about to cut their arm off, you oh. know, and, and we're standing right there. It's don't worry, don't worry. Wait, hey, by the way, when you say Steve is bleeding, it was one time. <laughs> one time. He is my only injury to date with with being almost four years in business for the record. Oh, so <laughs> and it's so oh. not surprising that it was him with the injury. It's just not Okay, surprising. how did he cut himself? He didn't cut his finger <laughs> off, did he? No, no he didn't cut his we finger were, off. We were doing a black iron pipe table and he was twisting the the pipe leg into like a fitting and the the thread of the pipe like cut him like a paper cut and those yeah. little paper cuts are nasty and there was blood everywhere and he wasn't like <laughs> in pain but it it really yeah it, it causes it made for some good pressure. television it yeah, yeah. oh please and tell then me he's it, been talking about it for years it yeah, was on live tv on. the blood oh, oh yeah of course oh, with God. a surprise full audience i didn't know there was gonna be <laughs> yeah. Audience. it was yeah very exciting oh, and my first awesome. time on what I love about this whole idea, though, and when we've talking, we've been talking about cooking and gardening, and I think during this time in life, people feel so helpless. And frankly, I think we felt helpless for a long time. I don't think it was just the pandemic. I think there's just been a lot of like fear and uncertainty, and I, and I honestly think a lot of that comes down to the fact that we've gotten away from learning how to take care of ourselves. That we've just lost those. Marjorie, we've talked about home ec classes and how important those are. And when those aren't prioritized in schools, what happens? When when those skills aren't passed down, we become this sort of unsettled, uncertain race of humans that just can't figure out the basics to survive on our own. And I think that goes against every single cell in our DNA. And I think it's taken a pandemic to be able to see how important that is and how getting back to those things is not just a fun hobby. It is necessary for our cells to be able to thrive as people. And I am excited to see people getting back to those things and looking for opportunities to do it. And Jill, I'm so excited for you to be able to open your doors again, because I think you offer something to people that isn't just about building something and building something beautiful and having it used in your home is important, but connecting with others, whether it's the people you're doing the project with or your teacher is even more important. And then using your body in a way that it was, it's been evolved to be able to be used, that it, it's necessary for survival is even more important. So if you're ever questioning in this scary time, like, what are we doing? Should I have had a different type of job or whatever? Just know that what you do is essential. It's essential. Well, and we always say that to, we say, when you come in, you are building your relationships as much as you are, or your self-confidence as much yeah. as you are building a thing when you put your, your body to use in that way. And mind to use in that way. So good. And right so there, that, I think that's such an important, putting your mind and your body to use. I get, mm -hmm. I get frustrated when I, 
you see so much of it on Instagram or Twitter, or a lot of the celebrities have been saying it too, of I'm so bored, I'm so bored. And I think, wow, put your your mind and your body yeah. to use. And that's, I just think that that's such a good, it might be a good mantra for a lot of people during while we're still sort of self, you know, self quarantining or self distancing, yeah. is put your mind and your body to use because there's mm-hmm. you could just look around wherever you're look living, you can look around and find something to do to make your environment better or more interesting. It's so true, Jill. Thank you so much. Oh, We've had so much guys. fun with you. We love having you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. This is so fun, thanks, <laughs> thanks, guys. This is so great. It's good. Well, listen, if you're listening and you're enjoying this podcast as well, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Marjorie, did you find a good one? I did. The The headline on this one, being okay with who you are and what you have. That's and good. this is um, from Minnesota Talk W. She said, I wait each Tuesday for the next episode and have spread the word to others about the amazing gifts you share each week on this podcast. I think today qualifies. Your conversations bring me joy and happiness. I used to listen to you daily on my talk and was over the moon when you started up this podcast. The only thing that would make it better would be to have a glass of bourbon. Girl, we like it. And listen with friends. Now that gives me an idea. Mm, (laughs) Bourbon. Listen, Uh, post-pregnancy, I'm all about the bourbon. (laughs) Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, You need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples... Temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.